Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you would, please welcome to the ice the members of the 2016 NCAA National Champions from the University of North Dakota. Welcome back to the Hasbens, presented by 10K Takes, brought to you always by the Chill Boys. And you can go on www.chillboys.com. And listeners, you can type in HB15 to get 15% off your first order from the Chill Boys. Get your underwear, socks made out of bamboo. This week we are joined by uh, one, of my, one of my favorite teammates I've ever played with, James Melindy. He'll be on later. Um, Right now, we're just going to go over kind of with Mason Ols, um our beauty status weekend recap. And like I said last week, guys, beauty status has those head covers for your uh, driver. And they've got poles now for the golf course, as well as all the other stuff they've got, um, you know, stickers and flags for the man cave. Just very authentic stuff. Um, they do a genuine job there with the uh, Minnesota brand and in hockey all around. Ols, what? Uh, why don't you fill everyone in on your weekend that you had? Because it's uh, it kind of does it kind of does top the our other two weekends. Yeah, it uh, it was a it was a good one. Um, I got a little gift in the mail on Wednesday. Um, happened to be an engagement ring and it was sitting in my pocket for two days. And I said, all right, enough is enough. And I said, fuck it. I went to Lake Harriet and I proposed to the gal. Uh, it went perfectly, dropped the ring right on the dock, almost went right in the water. Wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Um, but seriously, perfect, perfect day. And then we ended up going to Rojo, um, which was actually where our first date was ever, Rojo Mexican Grill in West End. And then, hell of a uh, spot. Hell of a spot. Great, great margaritas, and they were slamming them too. So it was uh, it was good. And then uh, Gage, Yonner, and uh, a little birdie came and said hello. Um, and then we ended up over at the Loop. A few people showed up, Joe Steed, Jude Hull, uh, it was uh, it was a perfect night, dance the night away. Uh, it couldn't have been any better, and then absolutely marinated on the couch for the next two days, um, and then watched the Vikings suck ass. So really good start to the weekend, and then Monday night the Vikings just fucking ruined it for me. So, um, but other than that, pretty cool life event. Well, Olsi, you got her done. Um... I was happy to be there to enjoy some of the excitement from you and Shelby. Um, it's always nice being around a couple happy people um, on top of the world. Yeah. Um, I was, I was joking with Ols before in a group chat. I was like, yeah, we're all headed to uh, hang out with Ols before his funeral next year, <laughs> probably next summer. You know, yeah. we lose another one of the boys and <laughs> yeah. he's gone. Another, you know, another fallen fire. soldier. Another fallen <laughs> <Yeah>. soldier. <laughs> um, but no, man, that's awesome. Congrats. Uh, there's sorry about sorry about the, the dogs barking in the background. I am right now dog sitting. So the <laughs> listeners will just have to get by that. But uh yeah, no, all there was a lot of talk, you know, especially in college that uh you wouldn't be able to pull something like this off. So 
it's great to see you overcome some obstacles and finally <laughs> lock down someone, you know, that's way out of your league. Um, but obviously you got a great personality sometimes, but uh, yeah, just well done all around. All very happy for you. And uh, I cannot wait to celebrate next summer. I, I appreciate that. It should be a, a very big party. Uh, we've already decided that it's um, going to be a small, small ceremony um, just with immediate family and then big old party uh, right after. So um, it should be a very, very, very good one. And yes, I finally broke out of the friend zone. Didn't think it would happen, but we finally broke through, baby. I love it. I'm pumped up. That's awesome. Um, well, Mace, what did you get up to with your weekend? I know um, Friday night was dedicated to Ols. Both of our nights were. Um what did you get up to Saturday, Sunday there? So on Saturday, uh, me and some buddies went over to Applebee's because we saw a deal on TV that said like 13 bucks, and it was all-you-can-eat wings and fries. Love that. That is so we, such an elite play. Oh, yeah. It was unreal. We destroyed like three plates of wings each. It was a good time. Had some people over after. And then Sunday, just watched football all day. Did I did, did I see on your snap story at about uh, two thirty three a.m. It's like running saves lives or so. Did your snap oh. story say something like that? Yeah, I was running build character. Yeah, I was just running build character. Yeah. Me and my buddy were out at the bar and uh, both of our phones died, so then we had to run back because we couldn't get an Uber. So love good that. little two mile jog. No love big deal. that does build character. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Yeah, that's a hell of a weekend there. Um, yeah, I mean, mine was mine was pretty similar. I, I, I went and hung out with uh, Jude Hull and Neil Goff a little bit on Saturday there. And um, Sunday, pretty much didn't get off the couch. Football all day, baby, and that's the way we like it. Um, now, obviously, I got to bring Monday up. You know, the Vikes play, and um, we're all looking forward to it and, and – God damn it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm a backer of Kirky, but fucking two and what, 37 in primetime games? Like, that's just, I mean, what? He was awful. Awful. And, it, you know, I, I actually props because last year he would have checked it down to CJ Ham and the boys and whatever. You know, he's trying to force feed Justin Jefferson and, but, Cook wasn't involved. Kirky couldn't throw. Irv Smith Jr. dropped a bomb. Like, it was just awful. It reminded me so much of that playoff game three years ago or whatever it was. You know, right after the Minneapolis Miracle, we're on cloud nine. We're like, this is the year. And then we get absolutely pooped on by the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, It's uh, it's a tough reality. But, I mean, the Eagles, I didn't really realize this, but the Eagles looked like a wagon. I mean, are, yeah. is Jalen Hurts that good? I mean, yeah, he looked so unbelievable. I was like, "Holy shit, this guy's good!" And they, they they were they were saying that Hurts. I remember the, at the start of the year when the Deshaun Watson trades were flying. They're like, "He's going to be an Eagle." Like they got to trade Hurts. Dude, Hurts is nasty. He's oh, so good. Sure. He's so fast. Throws the ball like a bullet. It's he's sick. Just insane. And one of the one of the cool stats I saw was you know. Mac Jones, Tua, 
and Jalen Hurts, the three Alabama quarterbacks, they all won in the NFL this weekend. That's uh, that's pretty nuts. Yeah, it's pretty sweet to say. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, and, and especially now- from a from a team that like a lot of people kind of chirp their quarterbacks. They never have a good quarterback. Well, I can't name another team in college history that's had three that played on the same team at the same time, all starting on an NFL team. So yeah, it's pretty cool there. Did you guys watch? Did you guys watch the Baltimore Miami game? It it was incredible. They were down twenty one points in the fourth quarter. Tua was just slinging it. Also, I saw somebody on Twitter flip uh, the Tua camera and have him as a right handed thrower, and he looks like he's a, like the best right handed thrower in the entire NFL. But it just looks weird because he throws left handed. Yeah. <laughs> It's just people get this perception that, like, if you throw left-handed, you suck. It's yeah. weird. Yes. It's the weirdest thing in the world. But they actually do look terrible, too. Like, it's not like – it just looks weird. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like golf, too. Like, if you're a lefty, like, Philly always Phil, – Philly Mickelson always looked a little different out there. It's like, this seems off, but yeah. <laughs> it makes it work. Now I, th- now I feel like – um, maybe not. I was going to say there's a ton of left-handed golfers, but now that I think about it, there's not really, I'd say hockey is probably the biggest left-handed sport. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think base, yeah, there's a lot of lefty baseball players. Yeah. And they're typically better batters too. Yeah. Um, well, that's because most guys are thrown right-handed, right? And I think you do get a little, you know, baseball, obviously the pitch comes in and you get about a point eight seconds to hit it well you get an extra like 0.02 seconds yeah. as a lefty so makes a little sense but <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> yeah um i want to get into uh the fun stuff obviously brought to you by butter golf i'm gonna do it a little differently this time um i'm gonna start off by shouting out um just a you know i know casey perper has been a he's been a uh guest on here a couple times now um one of my favorite guys but his dad um scott perper he's uh avid listener of has-beens and i just wanted to give him a shout out because he is running the italian moon down in up in grand forks actually and um people kind of forget about the italian moon there and i kind of want to open some eyes again to the italian moon and what they have to offer um just a great kind of, and they've got a hodgepodge of everything, and there's a good buffet there. But uh, they really specialize in, you know, pizza, pasta, and uh, my favorite item from from the Italian Moon is their whaler, and it's the addition. It's the it's a grinder essentially, but it's better. You know, I think it's better. So, um, just a great spot to get something catered. You know, if you're having a little party, grad party, whatever it is, you know, you got a youth team, you need something catered to the hotel. Um, Italian Moon and and you know Perp Casey his you know Scott's son. Um, whenever we go up to the lake and stuff, he'll bring the catered Italian Moon and we'll make our own whalers and they got the white sauce and the queso and it's it's unbelievable. Their queso, so, their queso, their queso with the beef is all time. It's all time oh, queso. It's sickening how good it is. You can't stop eating it. It sucks. Yeah. yeah. Very good. But uh, I, yeah, I did want to shout out Scott there and the Italian moon. And then I also wanted to uh, 
you know, I don't really love talking about my business mini movers on this show, but we are going through a little transitioning phase as a company. Um, you know, the reason we started out mini movers was, well, we don't really, I don't really like my job right now. I've got nothing else to do. Uh, I played hockey my whole life. I have no experience in anything other than, you know, blocking shots and PKing. So there's not much I can do, but you know what? I can pick up a box and I can move it. So I'm going to start moving people to make some money. Well, as we got further down the line, um, as things started getting a little harder, a little more stressful logistics to come in, you start to kind of question yourself and you start to kind of ask yourself, you know, wh why am I doing this? And once you get a little more down the line, you're not really doing it solely for the money anymore. Just doing it for money is not enough, right? So you got to find a reason, you know, why am I really doing this? Well, throughout the years, we've had a little culture that we've built unknowingly. Um, and it's funny, it's, it's the biggest, you know, the culture that we've somehow built is the main thing I miss about playing hockey, which is the locker room. Like, that's what I want to, you know, that's what I miss the most. That's what I think about when I talk hockey. Um, and we happen to kind of create that culture with mini movers. Now, now I'm starting to think, you know, we, we've somehow built this and people are asking me, why do I, why do you like doing what you do? It's because it, it is a lot of work. It's kind of stressful. Well, it's kind of like the locker room again. You know, I, I get to be around familiar faces, familiar guys that I like. We all kind of share the same interests a little bit. Um, but then I started to think, you know, what's, what are the other things that go inside this business um, and why am I doing it? And I came to the conclusion that, you know, we've had these young kids come in and there's a lot of young kids nowadays who, you know, kind of need some coaching a little bit on, attention to detail, how to respect customers or customer service that can bring you a long way further on in life. Um, and all these little things, you know, just showing up on time, um, wearing your uniform, all these little detail things that you wouldn't think matters, but it does matter to us. And that's kind of what we instilled in these kids' brains. So I start with a few kids, you know, you could kind of tell their dad might have neglected them a little bit or they didn't have a father figure at home. Um, to kind of teach them the way and how to do things right, how to work hard. I do think hard, working hard is something that can be taught. And we've seen it with guys who come in. They don't know what it's like to work hard. They don't know what it's like to really do anything. I mean, you know, clean up after themselves, throw trash away, help people out. Um, and that's all things we've kind of, through our culture, taught these younger kids. And a couple of them move, have moved on now to, you know, different jobs or one of them went to college and I do think they're in a better place now than they were before they worked with us because they learned all these things. And at the same time, they got to hang around a bunch of guys who, you know, shared their interests and they got that locker room feel again. And I think that's what a lot of guys crave. And I just wanted to shout it out just to let people know now, you know, before I didn't really want to show this out because I'm like, you know what, moving's hard. It sucks. I don't want to tell people and their kids to have come do it. But now I do have a sense where, you know, we do have, a, we have a really good culture. We treat guys with respect. They happen to make 
good money doing it as well. And along the way, they're going to learn valuable lessons that will take them further in their career. And we don't expect all these guys to stay with us their whole life. We just want to get them in, create a friendship, create a relationship. And, you know, if they want to stay with us, great. If they want to move on, that's great as well. We'll still coach you and teach you to do that same thing. So I did want to say to anyone out there who knows anyone looking for a job that played sports or um, whatever it is, or if you just want to, you know, be a part of a team and be a part of a group of guys who are fun to be around and you kind of have a family sense if you're missing that, I did want to shout that out just to anyone who might be listening or knows someone um, that it is an option. And, you know, I know what it's like telling yourself you're going to be a mover, but some of these guys do make really good money. We're talking, you know, 80000 to $90,000 a year, depending on how much they work and how good they are. Um, and that's, you know, that's living, that's livable wages for sure. And at the same time, you get to spend it in a good community. So I did want to shout that out now that I feel comfortable um, with what we're doing and why we're doing it um, on top of just trying to make money like we all are, obviously, but there is a little bigger meaning behind it. And it does make me feel a little better going into work and getting these guys in that, you know, they're going to learn all this stuff. They're going to have a good time doing it. They're going to make some money. And at the end of the day, everyone's going to be better off for it. So um, I did just want to give that some time. So I'm sorry that took a while, but no, that's uh, all right. I, I wanted to, I wanted to say it at some point. So thanks for sticking with me there and listeners. Thanks for sticking with me, but I did want to get that off my chest now. So. No, I mean, as, as a leader and, you know, the starter of a business, you know, like you're an entrepreneur and you don't know why you started it. So it's just pretty cool to see where it's gone and like what you've been able to do to help people. And like, like you said, it, it is a good job and it's, you know, it's <clears throat> most, most of the time, my, my favorite part of my job is the team's messaging. It's literally like a group chat for sure. teammates. You know, it's that it's that team mentality, family. You guys have all that. So don't don't apologize. I think that's super cool what you're doing. Um obviously I'm a huge fan. Uh you're a great buddy of mine, but um it is it is cool and I've heard some some great stories come from it. So um don't apologize for speaking your mind, brother. For sure. Well, thanks. Also appreciate it. Um but we will move on from that. Let's move into an actual fun stuff thing. Um, traditionally, the nail gun of the week. Does anyone want to start us off? Yeah, I'll go quickly. Nail gun of the week, Trey Lance. Did you see that motherfucker's ankle when he got tackled <sighs> this week? It's twisted backwards. Done. Done for the year. Done <sighs> for the year. But the guy just the guy just tweets out. You know, he's always got a plan for me, going to come back stronger. His toes were facing backwards, bro. I'm out on that. That guy's my nail gun of the week. Talk, talk about a shit sandwich. Yeah. First game, poison a monsoon in Chicago, and second game, bam, your ankle's fucking decapitated. <laughs> Gone. Snatched from you. Out. That's my nail gun, <laughs> Trey Lance. That's a that's a good call there, Ols. Um <laughs> Yeah, that was nuts. I always hate seeing those injuries. It just, you know, it kind of makes your balls tingle a little bit. Your stomach kind of turns upside down. You're just like, oh, my God. 
and then you kind of like rewind it and watch it again. And you're like, oh, and then you oh. like find yourself <laughs> continually watching it. You're like, why am I still watching it? And you're like, oh, yeah. awful, <laughs> awful, yeah. ish. Uh, Mace, did you have a nail gun of the week? Yeah. So my nail gun of the week is going to be uh, Post Malone. Uh, I'm not sure where the show was, but he was doing a concert. And while he was performing, uh, he fell on stage and cracked like three ribs. Uh, and then, like security, like picked him up, got him out of there. Ten minutes later, he comes back out, says sorry, drinks a beer, and finishes the show. Oh, I love that! I love that. That's, That's sick, crazy, baby. That is sick. Most most performers would just cancel it, send everybody home. Yeah. Oh yeah, was that the one where he came out and he was doing a bunch of dab and dancing? I I saw a video of that on TikTok, and it was the most wild. (laughs) Posties, posties all the time, man. I I fucking love that guy. He can play. Have you ever heard him play like these old time country songs? He sounds unbelievable. He sounds like goddamn George Strait, and then he's singing like candy paint and shit. Yeah, yeah, he's gifted. Um, okay, well, I guess I'll go with my nail gun of the week now. I did have some written down, but uh, none of them are gonna none of them are gonna come close to the real one. And again, I'm gonna shout them out again. Trevor Olson, nail gun of the week. Fucking secure as a girl, you know, out of the fences, unbelievable, well done. Almost drops the ring, almost loses in the water, gets it done. <laughs> Bam. Let's go, and, baby. You know, and I loved it. You texted me. You're like, hey, boys, just got engaged. Let's have a couple. And goddamn right, we had a couple. <laughs> well, we, me and Shelby had about 47. She, she, she was, <laughs> you, got, you guys were pounding. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was, she was in trouble when we left Rojo. She was in trouble. She she needed a water at uh, the Loop West End, and she got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys gave a hell of an effort at Rojo for sure before it even kind of started. Oh yeah, oh <laughs> yeah, was, it was awesome. great. Yeah, Juder Ju- Juder texted me. He goes, "You guys easily got the two most intoxicated." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was great. Obviously, I mean, I think it took like. No more than seven minutes for you guys to find the dance floor. Oh yeah, as soon at as the it West opens. End loop. <laughs> she, she's the first. She's the first one on. That's why I'm marrying her. Usually, usually <laughs> I'm the one trying to tug everybody onto the dance floor. She's already on there. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's that's what I like about you guys. Um, I do. I do think you know some some of your friends go through relationships and you're like, eh, I don't know about that one. What the fuck's he thinking? You know, like <laughs> some of that shit. Um, and I've been on a few myself, you know, where people probably think of the same thing, but, uh, yours is definitely, this relationship is definitely one where you're like, this is a, this is a good match here. They were, yeah. you know, they're onto something here. Like there's, there's no wonder why they enjoy hanging out with each other. So, <laughs> yeah. um, congrats again, Olsen. That's awesome. I'm really happy for you, obviously. And, uh, yeah, again, I just can't, I can't wait till the, uh, celebration and, um, to get to see you guys kind of build a life together as well as obviously you're, you're looking for houses to live now and going to venues, obviously. And, uh, 
Oh, you did want to shout out one of our former guests again. So yeah, I, I was going to say, as you bring that up, you know, we're, we're at that point where we're looking at uh, some properties and some houses. So I got to shout out Matt Van Voorhees, Un- unreal guy, unreal realtor. He's very knowledgeable. And we've literally seen two houses so far. We're going to see five more next Tuesday. And the guy's insanely, insanely good at what he does. He's just, he's honest. He's up front. Um, I'm even going to shout out his uh, Instagram page here. Um because he's seriously, it's Van Voorhees underscore MN Realtor. Matt Van Voorhees, he is awesome. Super, super cool, super down to earth, super honest. Um, and he just wants the best for you. So uh, pretty cool stuff. And we appreciate him. So I, I had to give him a shout out. Yeah, I, I'd agree with everything you said. He, Matty's uh He's a great dude, and and you can tell he takes it seriously, which is what you want out of your realtor, obviously. And and he really helps out everyone he can. And um, you know, it kills me to be shouting out a fucking Denver pioneer on here, but here we are. No, he's a great guy, and uh, yeah, no, anyone looking to buy a house, he's not a bad option to to find you one. He gives us like 10, 12 houses a day to look at, like favorite, dislike, just to like look at what we want. Oh yeah. Matt's a great dude. So seriously, if you're looking for a house in the city's area, I would genuinely want you to reach out to him because he's fantastic at what he does. For sure. I would, I would have to agree hundred um, percent. But yeah, well, let's uh, actually, I think, I think the folks are really going to enjoy this interview with James Melindy here. He's not a college hockey player, but uh, he's got some, he's got some great stories. He's played pro for a long time, played up in, uh, he's, he's a new feet from Newfoundland, um, special group of people up there as you guys will learn. Um, but yeah, one of my all time favorite teammates I played with. And, uh, I know, I know all these guys, I know everyone's going to enjoy listening to him. So, um, now on to James. And now I'd like to welcome on special guest, James Melindy of Newfoundland, um, St. John's where are you from? They're Melindy Golds. Is am I saying that right? Golds. Yeah, the Golds. So it's um, I'm like 12 minutes from downtown. It's like a little suburb of the city, so not too too far out of the mix. But uh, Golds, Newfoundland. Yeah, Canada, way up north. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, you're actually the first Newfie we've had on the show, and and I was excited to get you on because uh, you're one of my favorite guys I've ever played with. And for the listeners who don't know, Melindy and I. Uh, Played together in Utah for a year there, but uh, I did want to kind of get into where you're at because I don't think our listeners quite understand. Being from Newfoundland, like we were just talking right now, you're uh, you're at an hour and a half time difference from us, I believe, or maybe two and a half hours. So, um, what what why do they do that? Do you know like why is that a thing? Um, why doesn't you just follow every every other fucking time zone that we have? Yeah, I have no idea, man. We uh, here in Newfoundland, we have an extra half an hour. We have our own time zone. Uh, <laughs> we're a little island on the east coast of Canada. Um, like 10 minutes from my house is the most easterly point in North America. So I'm way the fuck over there. And uh, yeah, extra half an hour time zone just strictly for Newfoundland. And uh, <laughs> definitely a little bit further from you guys for sure. Meller, I was looking up, so I looked up Goulds um, in the in the island of Newfoundland, and 
St. John's. Um, so I was looking up Goulds, where you're from. Just I wanted to get a little history and background of where you come from. Well, um, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at Wikipedia. It's like, yeah, art and culture. Goulds is known for uh, having two contestants. Um, having two contestants go on the game show for Canada's worst driver. So, you know, that's what your town's known for is having a couple of girls, having a couple girls here that uh, we're trying to be known as Canada's worst driver. So, and I was actually going to ask you, you might know them because I think Goulds is a town of what? 4,000 some give or take. I think we're, we're at like, I think it's, Anywhere from like six to eight thousand. It's small. Everybody knows everybody. Um, yeah. It's a. It's funny. Probably all the worst drivers are here, which is hilarious. <laughs> but um, yeah, super small community. Um, it's a little bit different. Everybody that's, I guess, from the Ghouls is super proud to be from here. It's, it's different. If you, if I want to put it in perspective of what you would imagine somebody looking like from the ghouls you're either a farmer or you're wearing a fox racing fox racing t-shirt uh t-shirt big gold <laughs> chain and some nike shocks <laughs> elite style that that is that is the style big gold chain nike shocks and a fox racing t-shirt maybe a pair of echo jeans or something just yeah. real uh high fashion and you just house fucking mountain dews all day yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I got the names of these two contestants. Okay, and it wasn't from that long ago. So, have you heard of a Jill Keeley? Kylie? Jill Kylie. Um, hmm. How about an Ashley it, Dunn? I went to school with Ashley Dunn. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went to school with Ashley Dunn before I moved away. So, that would have been. God, when we were in middle school, because I moved away when I was in high school. So Ashley Dunn, I'm not, I haven't seen her in years, but that's hilarious. Did she end up winning or what? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I have to it just, it, it, just, <laughs> it just said, what, what, how do they turn that? How, how do you like determine a winner? They're worth Canada's worst driver. Just however many fucking tickets and people you've killed or what? Like just, yeah, I guess so. How, how many people you've hit? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, I got to talk. Before we hop into the hockey part, uh, I've been to Newfoundland one time in my life, and the plane ride in was the most miserable thing I've ever been a part of. That wind was awful. Is that like a normal thing? Every time you come home, your plane is just shaking uncontrollably? Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. You you probably flew from Toronto. It's like a three-hour flight. You're just yeah. itching to get off. Usually yep. it's like thick fog. You can't see all of a sudden you just hit the runway and you're like looking out the window where you should be the front of the plane should be facing. You're looking out the window and you're going in that direction. You usually <laughs> hit sideways. It's a sketchy landing, but oh, yeah. awful. You, oh, usually, uh, yeah, the flights in are terrible. The ones heading out are even worse because you're probably hung over and, um, <laughs> they're always good trips for, uh, people that aren't from around here to come in yeah Miller did you grow did your parents grow up on uh on the island there as well yeah my uh my dad grew up like four hours uh outside the city and my mom grew up like an hour and 45 minutes which 
you know, for some places doesn't seem like it's a, a long, long ways away, but Newfoundland has no traffic. So it's just straight driving of just four <laughs> hours. Um, both like small communities, both like fishing communities as well. So, um, my parents grew up here. They moved to Ontario. And then when I was born, moved back here. So I've been here ever since I was a kid. Well, because like you were saying, and I and I, I, I like picked up on it playing with you and just being your friend in Utah there. Um, you're right. Like anyone who's from Newfoundland, you, you take a certain amount of pride and in, in you're happy to be from there. And I don't know what they're, what it is about it. Like it almost seems like, you know, you go up to Canada, you've got, you know, the middle, the middle fucking territories, provinces, whatever you call them. And then, you know, and then it goes to the, the French people and they're speaking French. And then it goes even further. And now you've got a whole different set of people, like completely different accent, tradition, kind of little traditions. Like you you guys have different music almost, like just different culture. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, I mean, how is that a thing? Like you go all the way, like, isn't right next to you, are they speaking French? And then you guys just have this almost Irish accent and um, you're kind of your own fucking country in a sense. Yeah. Like um, how do I explain it? We would be the closest thing, I guess, to like what you, like you said, like Irish people, like the accent is pretty similar. Um the land like we're we're kind of like a little bit of a country in our own where we just have like every guy that's from here not even guy every person that's from newfoundland has like such a high pride from from like where you come from um it's such a small province too like we only have five hundred and fifty thousand that live on the island so uh for the most part like inside the city around your age everybody kind of knows everybody um, kind of like a small town feel, um, and just, you know, we're, we're baptized by booze here. We got the biggest, <laughs> uh, the biggest yeah. little street in the world. I think it's, uh, George street is the most bars per square foot in anywhere in the world. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a spot where, you know, if you're not from here and you come in, people gravitate there, you know, smash some pints, have some good times. Um, and we're just kind of known for being friendly people, including and um, sometimes the life of the party, I guess. We'll yeah, have, yeah. We'll have, we'll have to discuss some of those uh, George Street stories at the end here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's one of my and, favorite destinations. <laughs> and it's funny, Meller says they're really friendly people, which Meller is one of the most friendly guys I've met. You know, he, was, he took me in right away when I met him. Um, actually stayed with them on the road there first time I ever met them. Um, but it's funny. He says, you know, some of the nicest people out there because Miller is also one of the biggest pricks I've ever met as well. So <laughs> he's got a little bit of both. You know? <laughs> he's got, you know, he's definitely a nice guy, but then he's also, you know, he can be that other guy as well. It's, <laughs> it's good. It's good. To have, I liked having him on my hockey team, but. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you, uh, with you at all on that one. Yeah, I, I, can I think that. I saw. I think I saw the other side of Meller at one point when yep. we were playing against. <laughs> First hand for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm just one of those little rat pricks that just tries to piss you off the whole time until you shut me up real quick. That was funny. 
Oh, and you did it for sure. Yeah, you definitely pissed me off. Yeah, oh, yeah. the same as what I did to you for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, let's get into uh, what it's like, kind of like growing up on the on the island there and um, playing hockey. Now, obviously, how often are you guys traveling um, out of the island, going into Quebec and doing all that stuff, having to travel more than the typical hockey player who is inland would have to, or was it not too bad? Yeah, like, um, I guess for the most part, growing up, like, we usually only left the island, like, once or twice a year for, like, an Atlantic Canada tournament. Um, never really ventured off into, like, Ontario or Quebec or anything like that. Um, so most of my, like, minor hockey and stuff was all played here. Um, I guess the one downfall of, like, growing up here and the hockey was just we didn't have – the numbers that some of the other places have. So the competition wasn't always the greatest, uh, you know, in, in the city, we, you know, most of the top end players came from in here. So we always, uh, had some competitive battles, but as far as traveling, like as a young kid, we really didn't go on a lot of, uh, like travel tournaments or travel teams. It was just kind of like once or twice a year, or if you played on a, a travel team you might be able to bump that up a little bit but the cost of like getting off the island and and for sure uh, you know, fl- and flying was was such an overhead yeah. cost for parents or whoever was putting you in hockey so we didn't really uh get to travel too too much is hockey as big on the island as it is throughout canada like obviously you know hockey is a religion to canadians um is it like that as much on the island, or are you guys kind of a little different in that sense? But obviously, I mean, obviously you played hockey and it's big there, but. Yeah, no, it's still huge. We just, population-wise, we don't have as much to pick from as what other provinces or even, you know, some states have. So that's where, you know, the, the competition-wise wasn't always there just because we didn't have the numbers to pick from. Like I said before, you know, yeah. you you go from having a province that has 550,000 and then you go to Ontario somewhere and these smaller communities are 250 to 300,000. So we just yeah. didn't have the the population or it wasn't for lack of interest. It was, you know, hockey's yeah. still huge here. It just didn't have as many bodies in. So it was harder to get teams uh, put together to, to create competition. Who, who are kind of the big uh, – were there guys, you know, that played in the NHL that came back, like that helped out with the youth uh, when you were growing up? Um, you know, obviously in Minnesota you have a lot of local guys that come back and, like, help with your – did you have a whole lot of that going on or was it kind of like, you know, your your mom and pa coaching the team, that type of stuff growing up? Yeah, it, it's a lot of just, like, parents coaching. Um, as far as NHL guys – you know, as you get older, uh, the guys that were playing in the NHL, like Ryan Cole and Michael Ryder, uh, Teddy Purcell, Danny Cleary, those guys kind of came back. So we would all skate together in the summertime. But as far as, you know, growing up, we've, you know, we, we've had uh, one ex-NHLer that started a hockey school that I grew up going through, Andrew McKim. Uh, he played for the Bruins and Red Wings and, he's from new brunswick but ended up uh 
settling back here and creating a hockey school. So he's kind of given back a fair amount. And then once we've, you know, got a little bit older and gotten to, you know, uh, midget and juniors, uh, you know, you start to skate with the pro guys and, and that's kind of where you, you learn a little bit more and, uh, kind of gives you that little bit of motivation, I guess that, you know, it could be a potential thing that you could turn pro and, and make a career out of it. For sure. Yeah, I mean, well, Miller, you were, I mean, obviously you play at, you play AAA with Notre Dame. Is that on the Island as well there? Or is that outside? No. So, so that would be, uh, in Saskatchewan. It was, uh, like a private oh, so prep you, school. So you left real early. What, what was that like? Yeah, so so I moved away when I was 14, um, all the way to Saskatchewan. So it takes literally like four days to drive from Newfoundland to there. Um, I was lucky enough, though, like I'm, I'm an only child, and my parents both were able to just, you know, navigate their jobs to move where my mom was a nurse. So she just took a position in the hospital. And then the company that my dad worked for has offices out West. So he just kind of transferred uh, branches. So my first year when I moved, when I was 14, they actually moved with me. I still, I, they were living in Regina at the time, which was 30 minutes from school. So I still lived in dorms, but it was excellent. Like on the weekends, they would always come to yeah. games. So it made the, made the transition a little bit easier. And in, in the case of like, if I was homesick, my parents were still, you know, 30 minutes away, not four days. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure. But it was one of those things, like, like I said about the competition and stuff here in Newfoundland and not having the numbers. I knew if I wanted to, you know, progress and, and get better as a player, I needed more competition. And that's kind of when I made the decision to move out West and, and go to Notre Dame. Yeah. Well, and then I, I also had a couple of questions about um, your CHL because you played in the Quebec League, obviously, and um, it kind of goes regionally where where you where you live. And I mean, you played in the Quebec League, but then you went and played in Saskatchewan. Did you get drafted before you went to Sask? Is that why you had to play in the queue then? So when I went to Notre Dame first, I moved out west, so I still had my uh, my address back here in Newfoundland but I also had an address in Saskatchewan because my parents were living there. So I moved away in grade 10. And at that time you get drafted in the, in the Quebec league uh, after your first year of midget. And then uh, the WHL is a year before, but where I held two addresses, I could pick between if I wanted to go to the WHL or the Q. Um it kind of came down to just being closer to home, I guess. And uh, I had to make a decision. I don't know what the date was, but um, whether okay. I was going to enter the, the WHL draft as like an overager or if I was going to go into the Q draft. Um, ended up picking the Q and uh, ended up getting drafted that year. So it, it, it all kind of worked out. That's sweet. I, and obviously we're college guys and that's kind of why we have this podcast. A lot of college hockey listeners. Um, what's, you know, is that, is college hockey even a thing in your brain? Like, do you even kind of know what it is or is it just strictly, you know, CHL, I'm going to the Q, I'm going to the dub and then I'm going to the NHL or whatever, you know, what's the path? I mean, is college even a thought in your brain when you're growing up playing hockey? 
Um, when I was growing up in Newfoundland, no, to be honest, it, it wasn't at all. It was just like more like just major, junior, major, junior, major, junior. Um, when I moved to Saskatchewan, they were pushing on like academics and there was a lot of guys that were looking to, you know, get D1 scholarships. So I, fu- funny enough, I was supposed to go on a, a trip to NODAC. To, to visit the school and I caught and I kiboshed it because I was like I don't want to go to school I don't want any of that in hindsight I probably should have but uh I, I at least would have got a good party out of it for sure oh um, yeah but you should have yeah, just there was, came there there was a couple schools um that it showed interest just from like coming up to to watch the junior a hockey um at Notre dame as well as you know catching up on midget games but more or less it was you know as a kid i i'd gone to, to some quebec league games we had a quebec major junior uh team here in st john's as well so grew up kind of watching it and then just well, wanting to play it and i think you know ncaa wasn't i guess promoted as heavily at the time um yeah. as what the chl is i know now it's it's gone a complete 360 where um sure. a, a lot of players uh in newfoundland are are transitioning to go to ncaa over major junior and uh yeah so it's it it's kind of made a twist but when i was growing up it was just mostly major junior yeah what are your thoughts on that? I, th- I know now it is a little more acceptable to be a Canadian, play college hockey. Um, do you kind of have like an old head thought on that? Like, you know what? We've got this great junior hockey league here. We don't need college. Like, you know, if you're walking around Canada, what are you telling those kids? Um, you know, stay, in, stay at the CHL, you know, promote Canada, stay in our league, stay, play here or – I think you can go down to college and, and go to the States and maybe play some college hockey. I think that's fine. Yeah. I think, um, you know, as I got older and kind of, you know, look back at my career, I don't, I don't regret going playing major junior hockey because it worked out the way that I wanted it to work out for me. But I went and played three years. I ended up getting drafted, signing, um, so to, to look back and say, well, ah, shit, I would have did it a different way. It's maybe not fair of me to do, but in hindsight, looking back, um, if you're not a player, that's, you know, a, a high end player and, and, and you think that you're going to expedite your, your career by playing major junior, you're going to jump in the pro and everything is going to work out all perfect. It, it very seldomly does. And, For sure. uh, and, and looking back, you know, the ability to go still be able to play junior, whether it's in a junior A league in Canada or go down and play in, say, like the USHL, um, you're kind of getting the best of both worlds, really, because you still get the experience that junior hockey lifestyle and, and having fun while you're young. But then you also get to go into school and, um, you know, hopefully at the end come out with a degree and, and you still have time to progress. Not everybody is a freak of nature and can come out of junior hockey at, you know, 19, 20 years old and jump right into professional and make it work where, For you sure. know, college, you get to progress, you know, more as a person, uh, you get to 
you know, physically you're a lot more ready, I would say, um, transitioning into pro. Um, so it's, it's definitely something to look at. I'm, I'm kind of both ways on it. It's, uh, if you, if you think that you can make the hop right away and you think junior is going to be the fast process, sure. But if you're a guy that's, you feel like you want to develop a little bit more, um, you know, college hockey is definitely a great choice. And even if you do think that you can fast track a college is still good because there's a lot of guys that go and end up signing deals and leaving early, but still have uh, for sure. a little bit of that education in their back pocket. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we always talk about, we kind of always talk about our stories from college and, and getting on the campus and, and kind of talking about how it was to be treated as a player there. Cause it's kind of special. Uh, I think it's, you know, I could be wrong. You could have been in a spot where playing in the CHL or the Canadian Hockey Junior Hockey League or whatever, you could have been in a town that wasn't very, you know, they didn't have a good fan base. But I know a lot of those teams in the CHL, it's like, you know, they're treated as a college team around town at least, you know, like everyone around town's wearing their jerseys. You know, that's the team they're watching every night and kind of cheering on. Um, you're walking around town and like, you know, people will notice you walking around at the, at a restaurant or something. Is there any, is, was there any part of that in Moncton when you were playing in the queue where you guys kind of got treated like the, the cool guys on the block? Uh, yes and no. We, we were, uh, the fan base in Moncton was, was amazing. We used to get, you know, good crowds like four or 5,000 a game, um, which was good for, for what our rink could hold. And um, around town, people notice you and stuff like that. High school was the shit because everybody in the school hated us. <laughs> um, so that part was like a little bit of a transition. We'd be like almost in tilts in school all the time just because everybody hated us because we got <laughs> – favorite treatment from the teachers and um, we weren't well liked in, in that aspect, but around the town, like fans and, and jerseys and people wearing walk. You were, you were, was, you were milking, awesome. you were milking being the cool guy, Mallory in school. You were for sure milking being the cool guy. I was a completely different guy when I was in junior though. Oh yeah. Oh, completely yeah. different. I was Don't quiet. Worry. Didn't say anything to anybody. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. Shit turned sideways. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was your thought process like? Okay, you got drafted. You're going into this junior league now. Uh, you know you're playing a bunch of games. Um, what? What? How old were you in your first game in the queue? Yeah. So I didn't. Uh, the year like my first eligible year, I would have been 16, but. Uh, Moncton ended up loading up their team and they went to the Memorial Cup. So I ended up going back to Notre Dame for a second season out there. So my first year, I was 17. Um, honestly, it was it was a struggle. They were a rebuilding team, but we had like nine defensemen. I was on like a rotation where I'd like play one game, sit out three. I think I, my first year, I might have played like 40 games. So it it was tough, like confidence wise to even get anything going. You're just trying to like figure your way. You're, it's, it's really like the first time that you kind of have to navigate stuff by yourself. And, yeah. um, 
that that part was tough and then my second year i i made i guess a a big jump in my game but it ended up working out good because at christmas time uh we had a defenseman brandon gormley who was our top d-man went to play world juniors we ended up trading him away and i was just playing good at the time and just ended up getting more ice time, more confidence, and ended up taking off a little bit, started playing more power play time. So uh, from my first to second year, it was just like a complete leap of like being in and out of the lineup to all of a sudden you're the go-to guy just because of a trade. So it was a lot of, I guess, maturing in my game that I had to figure out quick and um, just with more, you know, ice time and responsibility. Uh, my game yeah. progressed, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, that's that's actually pretty cool uh, you said that. I had no idea that you were kind of in and out of the lineup your first season playing juniors because, um, you know, I have I obviously know you were, you were drafted in the third round of the NHL draft by the Coyotes. You know, for the listeners to be drafted in the third round, you got to be a pretty – fucking good hockey player like you're pretty nasty you know and you're not a guy who's coming in and out of the lineup you're getting drafted third third round so that's interesting to hear that you had went through that and then all of a sudden you know the ships turn and you're just you're this guy that gets drafted third round and i'm sure um i wanted to ask you like did you know your role like what did you get drafted as like when you got drafted in the third round did you get drafted because like you were this tough you know, kind of skilled defenseman. I mean, what was your role? Did you know at the time? Did you have to change it? Uh, yeah. So I guess like when when I first got drafted, and like I was more of a, I guess like two way puck moving defenseman. Uh, when I played in junior, I had like such a long leash of like I was almost like a fourth forward. I was a roamer, just flying around everywhere. Uh, my skating was was really good and um i was able to take you know some chances offensively and and be able to get back so i was a like a puck moving defenseman um you know some power play time penalty killer and then honestly i wasn't i didn't fight a whole lot i my most fights one year was like five but it would always be like somebody getting blown up and i'd come in and fight somebody it was never like oh you're the tough guy on the team we're, we're going at it I was just always there to pick up for teammates so I was kind of drafted like that and then you know my first year pro it was uh kind of a bit of a shit show my second game uh in the American League I blew out my knee so I was out for like three months first game back first shift got hit the exact same way blew it out again no so so yeah, so it was a uh, it was a it was a tough goal my first year, and then you just kind of see guys that are you know coming in their first year the same as you, and everybody's getting to establish themselves while I'm just sitting around getting bag skated trying to to get back <laughs> on the ice and not bust up my knee again. So, uh, you know my my first year I ended up you know playing the full year in the American League and then. Uh, the second year, uh, started off in the American League and then got sent down to the coast and kind of didn't know what way to take it. It was just kind of like a, a kick in the nuts at that point when you're 21 years old and you think that you're supposed to be somewhere where you're where you're not. And 
uh, I guess a little bit of immaturity and, and not, you know, having the right mindset sure. uh, came in and, you know, it, it, hindsight is twenty twenty. You wish you could do things different ways, but it was at that point that it was like, I need to find a way to make my game different to get back to the next level. So how am I going to do it? And I was always one of the biggest guys on my team and, uh, we never ever had tough teams. So anytime anybody would get blown up or shit would go wrong, everybody would like look down the bench and be like, you're the biggest guy. It's on you. So I got baptized by fire, just kind of had no choice and got, uh, you know, playing a little bit more of a rougher style as my career progressed. <laughs> oh yeah. I, was, I mean, you're one of my favorite, play, one of my favorite teammates for sure. There's no doubt. Um, just because we had such a good time, you know, off the rink, but uh, we had, it was just great having you as a teammate as well. Um, just, you know, not that like, obviously you're not Travis Howell, like fucking, you know, people are scared shitless, but you're fucking shit disturbing. You know, you'd skid over the red line and warmies a little bit, you know, aggravate a couple guys like that stuff is you love having a guy like that on your team because like you don't have to be doing it. And, and it's, it's also entertaining, right? Like it makes it more fun. And I think when I watch you, like, I know for a fact you find this fun, like you find it fun to like fuck with these guys and like get them going. And like, everyone's kind of pissed off and we got stuff going on. Like when I see you doing it, I see, I, I, I think like, it looks like you're enjoying it. Like you're having fun. Like this is what you want to be doing. Like, chirping guys fucking maybe give them a give them a little one fucking with them trying to make them pissed off so i mean yeah and you were saying you you weren't always like that but that's that's what i saw is it when i played with you was you know you just enjoyed it and you were having fun out there like you just fucking loved hockey and you loved that little bullshit that went into it because that's that really is what makes hockey you know hockey it's it's because of all that little bullshit that goes on like guys tapping each other's like you know you slash a guy in the back of the knee like before the face off like little shit like that like stick your stick your stick in his fucking balls a little bit behind him like <laughs> oh, you're there like that's fucking hockey baby and and Meller's like he is that guy like he is hockey so it's just it's fun to play on a team with a guy like that but um yeah Meller I, I just that's great that you're that player. I never knew that you weren't like that your whole career. I always pictured you as like, fuck, like this guy played against Miller when he was younger. Oh, I'm going to go ask him how big of a prick he was out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And like you said, I, I absolutely ate it up. I just love stirring the pot, whether, whether it's on ice, off ice with my teammates, just always get it going. <laughs> I always like, I knew I had the ability to like, have teams wound up before the puck even dropped and like oh yeah i knew i knew it was always shitty on the other side of like you got a guy and you're like this fucking guy again he started already like the the game isn't even started and this guy's going loony so i always it was always good but i always had my teammates that just kind of like egged me on and like kept it spinning and and that was the best part i just like wanted to get a reaction from the boys and and always have the boys laugh and and keeping things loose for for other guys so that they were able to play their game and uh and and like 
you know, stirring the pot and getting in guys' heads maybe gave, you know, <laughs> us an advantage of like, if they're thinking about me, they're not thinking about what they need to be doing. So I always enjoyed <laughs> it. And I always enjoyed just everything that came with it. Obviously, yeah, you, you got to end up picking up for yourself and, you know, giving some licks, taking some licks, but it was all in good fun. And, um, no, nothing sure. better than, than getting the boys going and, and getting the other team going. Too. <laughs> it, it, it is, it is, it is a real thing. Like you, when we, when we played you guys, it was like oh fucking Melindy, but it wasn't like, you know, this guy is going to freaking you know, too handy uh, on the back of the head or whatever. It's just like, fuck, who was this the, guy. Again, who was the know? guy like, in Allen who used to run you from behind or like Gillies, like those guys. Yeah, you knew like if you're on the ice with these guys, like you might get murdered, like from behind. Yes. Like those are the worst. Like Meller wasn't yeah. really doing that shit. <laughs> no, no, and I always, I never wanted to be that. Like, I never felt like I hit anybody dirty or did anything that was super super greasy to like hurt somebody. But I would give it to you in the back of the legs, oh, or yeah. you get a face wash in front of the the net, or you know, chirps going by the bench, but I, I never felt like there was a need to like go out and, and run somebody from behind or like catch somebody with an elbow or like get somebody greasy. Yeah. I never really uh, believed in that um, just because I was like, you know, when you play against guys that you just have no idea what they're going to do, it's, it's not fun, man. Like, especially no. when you're one of the guys that it's like, everybody's looking at you like, so are you going to take care of this? <laughs> you know, which, which, you know, uh, when we played together, we had Howie. So it was like, I could be my real self because I could be like, all right, he's going to take on oh, all the yeah. heavies and I'll do the step and under. Oh, and I'm just, I'm living oh, the dream yeah. here now. <laughs> I wanted to, I had one story about Miller um, kind of going off what I was saying, like, Melvin is just such a good, like a fun guy to have on your team because he's kind of like me in a sense where like he's very serious when he's playing hockey and like it is like you take it very seriously. Like it's like it's go time. Like I'm fucking serious right now. But at the same time, you know, it is it is also about having fun. That's what we're playing. And Melvin always found a way to have fun out there, even like in serious fucking game moments. So we're in Indiana one time and we fucking we the, 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 ref, the ref calls an icing and Meller had changed like when the puck was when we had iced the puck. So or whatever, he had to go back on the ice. They're like, all right, go come back to come back on the ice. And Meller skates all the way down the ice. He used to do this thing where like he didn't. He would act like he didn't know how to skate and like lean on a stick and skate like bow legged, like oh, yeah, you know, like with your knees in and like your head. So he skated like this, like with using his stick as like a tripod. He skated all the way into the zone, middle of the game to the fucking dot, and then he. What was the other one? You fucking sprinted like top speed, just fucking. So so it was the same thing. It was it was the icing, and then. They, I skated like that down to the, the face-off dot. And then the ref looks and he's like, ah, no, puck is outside. And they're like, you weren't on the ice. So I just, 
immediately just turn around and as fast as I can skate, I wheel to the bench and just jump in. <laughs> so at this point, like everybody's looking around going, what in the fuck is happening? Two teams are like crying, laughing. So, Both teams are just dying, laughing like this. The, fuck the ref comes back. He's like, I know you were on the ice. Get out. Let's go. Oh, yeah. So I hop back over the boards again, fucking sprint to the line, line up. <laughs> so the ref like takes the puck and he like brings it outside the blue. Everybody is outside the blue, like ready for the face off. And I'm still down the zone lined up. Like I'm ready for the draw in the ozone. <laughs> yeah, he's like this. Lean on my stick. I'm, I won't move. The ref is like yelling at me. He's like, you're going to be an asshole. You're going to make me look like an asshole. And then I just like turn around, sprint to my spot on the other side of the line and just like line up again. This ref was so rattled with me. Oh. Everybody was crying, laughing, looking around going like, what is happening right now? Nobody can figure it out. Everybody's laughing. They're like, what the fuck? I remember, I remember Tim, when I got back to the bench, he looks, he goes, what in the fuck was that all about? Oh, I was like, I don't yeah. know, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you could visibly tell the ref was thinking in his eyes. Like, he's, like, thinking, like, going through the rule book in his head. Like, how can I give this guy a fucking penalty right now? Because like, yeah. he wasn't doing anything that you could, like, penalize. But the ref was like, I got to give this guy a penalty somehow. Like, he's making a mockery out of this. But he couldn't do it. Like, the ref couldn't think of something. <laughs> hilarious i would always do it like i did it a couple times last year where i had the boys roaring like all of a sudden you know there's a scrum in front of the net and the ref just goes like all right next shot whoever takes the next shot they're to get the penalty and i would just break out of the pile full sprint there'd be linesmen like chasing after me thinking i was gonna go do something stupid i'd just skate as fast as i could to the bench jump <laughs> over and like lean on my stick <laughs> and they'd be like what are you doing, man? And I'm like, didn't want to get a penalty. <laughs> that's like that. That's that's the shit that I love. Like I I love oh. Mike Monfredo. He's a guy that played in the East Coast for yeah. a long time. Very similar. Like he he just kind of got to a point. Where he was just like, you know what? I don't really give a fuck. I'm just out here to have fun. And so he, you know he'll poke at guys or whatever. But the whole time he's just laughing and making fun of everything on the. It's I love that shit. I think it's hilarious. Meller, yeah. I did want to I did want to share and we can cut this out if you're in some legal, but I think you sorted it out with the guy after the game. So I think we should be fine. So we're in Idaho and Idaho's fucking bench has the glass behind it, but it doesn't like these fans are sticking their head over and like screaming at us all game, like like over the glass, like in our in our bench, and it's towards the end of the game. And this fan had been sitting over the bench, like doing something with his tongue out for like five minutes, just like, ah, 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 <laughs> like indoor bench. And we're sitting there, like, fuck this guy. And Meller looks over at one point. Meller looks over and just fucking pokes him in the face with his stick. <laughs> and this guy just immediately falls back. All of a sudden, it's this big ordeal. We're playing a game, but then people in the back are like, he hit him. He hit him. And then fucking cops come down after the game. Meller ends up taking a fucking picture with the guy. Like, just Meller's so, full gear after the game, just it, taking a picture with Buddy. Just like, it, <laughs> it wasn't a stick. It was like, it was like four college students that were just like hammer drunk. They were chirping. And I'm like, you stick your face through that glass again, and I'm, I'm going to sucker you. 
And this guy sticks his face up to the glass, and there's a gap just enough to fit your fist through. And I clock this guy. So all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, he just hit him. He just hit him. And this guy's like stumbling back, like grabbing his nose. We're, we're all laughing. Like the coaches are like trying to figure out what's happening. It's There's probably like 10 seconds left in the game. So like shit ends. Now everybody, as we're walking off the ice, has like their phones out. They're like, we got it all on film. We got it all on film. Go in, you know, start taking off our gear. All of a sudden, like three cops come in the room. Our coach goes like this to me. I'm like, oh, shit. Come out. And right before I go out, he tells the cops, he's like, outside the room, I need to talk to my player. So Tim being a he actually a beauty move. He's like, don't admit to anything. Don't admit to anything. There's no video. You're all good. So I wheel out this college guy and three of his buddies are sitting there. His like eyes are still watering from me just clocking them. (laughs) And the cops are like, so here's the thing. Like we can press charges. Like this, this could be assault or like whatever. And he's like, all this kid wants is just like, will you take a picture? And like, we'll bury the hatchet. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I guess so. So so I get a picture with this guy who I just hit like five minutes ago and both of us are just like this and he probably has the best story ever, man. And I was like, well, I'm not going to jail tonight. I got a picture. And I remember walking in and all the boys are like looking at me like, what's going on? And I'm like, you'll never believe it, man. This guy just wanted a picture and everything is all good. Oh, oh man. man, that's unbelievable. And do you remember, I I remember I listened to your, uh, to the podcast. I think you tagged me in Twitter. Remember when we were in Boise and we'd seen our bus driver up crushing beers before he had to drive us home? (laughs) We look up and he's just got a fucking top. He's got this, he's got this cup and it's just empty. He's sitting up there. (laughs) We're thinking, I remember me and you looking at each other being like, guy have to drive us home tonight and he's up in the stands crushing beers i'm pretty sure we were like yeah i mean maybe he's got like maybe maybe he's just like the passenger and then we got on the bus after and he was just driver's seat like let's go boys always give (laughs) a fist pump he (laughs) how he would absolutely give it to me too because the bus driver just loved me and he was like that's your dad man that's your dad he's like your dad's (laughs) on the booze again (laughs) <laughs> wild i can't believe we actually even got on the bus after that it's oh crazy but... i was i was thinking about it after i was like that's just insane that that happened yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh what a story that is well Mallor, before we uh before we let you go here i know we've kept you for a little while but i did want to talk about your time in newfoundland and, and going back and um you know, they had St. John's, the American League team, and then I think the Newfoundland Growlers, kind of a newer team. How long have they been around for? Like five, six years now? Yeah, so it's been five years. So it would have been the year after we played together, They yeah. their franchise started up. So, yeah, five years now. I mean, how much does that mean, like, for you to go back, hometown just right back on the island and you know you're the captain of this team that's got to be like that's unbelievable like how you know how lucky do you feel getting to have that and then again like having a good team there because you know as well as I do having a good team of coach is fucking hard to do like 
and it's way better when you're on a good team. And when you get there, you guys have a good team. That's, that's an unbelievable, you know, moment in your career. I think just getting that um, almost, you know, I mean, you've been playing for so long and you've, you've went through some tough stretches with some bad teams and then all of a sudden, bam, you're on this fucking <laughs> sick team. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> and now yeah, you're on the man. sick team. And f- I mean, that's sick. Yeah, it was, it was awesome, man. Like, so when we were together in Utah, like there was talks that there was going to be a team, uh, come to Newfoundland and you know early on in my career when the ice caps are here people would always ask like you know would you ever want to come play at home and I was like absolutely not never like I enjoy going to like different cities you know uh getting to live in 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 different environments and 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 get to see the world like that's one of the best parts about hockey is where it takes you and the people that you meet so I never ever like really envisioned coming back home to play um, but when the time came that the growlers were coming here and I'm was on, you know, the tail end of my career, it was like, wow, I get a chance to go home. I get to play in front of my, you know, my friends and family. Um, that was, you know, the most exciting part. And then, uh, I bought a house back here, um, that previous yeah. year. So I was like, I get to live at home. I get to, you know hang out with all my buddies that I haven't since I was 14. Like I would get summers at home, but you know what that's yeah. like, it's just pure chaos. You're trying to train, you're trying to skate. So it was like, this is the first chance at like living a, a normal life kind of. So I got to come sure. back. Uh, you know, I, I was super happy that they wanted me to come um, because at the start, you know, like negotiations of like trying to get here was it, it took a little bit longer than what I expected, but um, we ended up making it work and being able to just come here and, and represent your province and, and, you know, being able to go to games and have your parents, grandparents, family, uh, looking through the glass and seeing like a pile of people that you know and that you grew up with. It was, uh, it was incredible. And then obviously, like you said, to have good teams, you know, Toronto is, very uh frugal on you know contracts and and they don't mind dishing them out so we were very fortunate in that way it's you know we've been heavily uh represented with ahl contracts which uh is great in my case it's it's shittier for teams that have to play against us just because our budget is you know a little bit higher than everybody else but uh, I was going to ask you about that, like the organization-wise. Like you played for a lot of, you played for a lot of organizations. How, are, how is that one run? And I obviously know you're still playing there, but um, I mean, any any organization to win, to win, you know, to get to the Kelly Cup or whatever, yeah, it has to be a good organization. So I did want to hear you talk about that compared to, you know, some of the organizations aren't run as well, not even close. Yeah, yeah man, it was like. It was like a step above anything that I've, I've, you know, been around. Like, uh, you know, it, it, it was ran like an American League team, and I truly mean better than Amer- a lot of American League teams, I would say. Um, just because Toronto invests so much time and and effort into like developing their players, so their their standpoint of like what they wanted the Growlers ran like and how it 
it, it needed to be done was always at like a super high standard and our ownership has been great since day one um giving us all the you know resources to to be able to perform at your best so like you know we we have our own personal chef at the rink um you know toronto sends down development staff like a couple yeah. times a month to work with players like and it's not just guys that are on AHL contracts. They're they're working with everybody. Like the the endless amount of resources that we have here. If you you know if you want to take advantage of everything that they provide here, it is such like a a, a great tool to to work on your game and and hopefully yeah. be able to get to the next level. Because not so much for me anymore, but. For the the players that are coming in, they're all young that are just coming out of college or, or junior, and and they want to make that next step. And uh, it's it's a great spot to really, um, you know, For learn sure. what what it's like to to be a professional. It, it's always funny because for the guys that come here their first year, I'm like, this is not what it's like everywhere else. Like if you had to sign somewhere else and you're in rapid city or wichita you're gonna get your eyes are gonna open real quick of like what modern hockey is like you know yeah and and it's made you know the east coast league is has always had this rep of like being just like a goon league and and you know rough and 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 shittier hockey but it's it's made such a progression in the last for sure. I would say, you know, five, six years of like the caliber of hockey, how we're, I guess, a little bit more respected of of how good of some of the players are in this league. And um, it's kind of transitioning out of like, you know, a good feeder, feeder uh, you know, league for, you know, the American League and even guys going over to Europe and, and, and signing sure. some good deals over there. So, um no, it's it, it's been great playing here. We we get treated super super well, and there is no place like home, man. It's it's awesome to be home yeah. with and and uh, yeah. being around friends and family. Yeah, that that's unbelievable. I I'm I'm, it, I'm jealous, it, honestly. It's it's like it comes full circle. Like I I just think it's pretty cool that you know you grew up and you didn't have this huge source of like competitive hockey where you were from and then you get to come back and, you know, like finish your career in front of your family and kind of, I don't know. That's a cool story. In my opinion, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. It, oh, yeah. It, it's, I'd never ever thought that I'd get the opportunity to do it and be able to do it and, and still be grinding here with the boys. And, you know, I, I took a year off, um, you know, when COVID hit and, and the growlers didn't play, and I went and worked a real job, and I was like, "What I wouldn't do to hop on the bus for eight hours with the boys? Your back <laughs> is cracked off. Everybody's miserable. You just like crawl into your hotel. You're like, fuck, you hate your life. But man, I would have packed it all. I was like, oh, I'm ready for that again, man. So, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It put it puts things in perspective, man. Like playing hockey is the best thing ever you get to go and hang out with your buddies like you're you're having a laugh you go to the rink have a coffee have a shoot with the boys uh 
shower with the boys, shits with the boys. Like <laughs> there is nothing better, man. And people don't understand it unless you've actually lived it. So it's, no. uh, I'm very fortunate yeah. that I've been able to do it as long as I have. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, uh, I asked, uh, I think this is like a Jacob Benson quote, but they asked him like, Benny, are you going to retire? And he's like, fuck, probably should, but I just, just can't picture myself not having a coffee with the boys in the morning. Like, <laughs> that's what it's about, right? Like, just practice Seriously, in the morning, man. sitting around the fucking locker room with the boys, having a coffee. With the boys. There's no worse anxiety than having to jump in the shower by yourself and you got nobody to talk to or shoot <laughs> no. shit, you know? Like, <laughs> I used to sit in that shower for 20 minutes and I, I hop in there for two minutes and I'm out. Yeah, and like, you're it's out. Really, it's the worst activity was, ever. It was, yeah. it was just great because you used to have all these, pre, like, even if you had all these problems and thoughts, like, when you're around the boys, you just, you can't think about them. There's just no time. Yeah. But no, when you're man, by yourself, you, that's all you're thinking about in the morning. You, when you're by yourself, you, it's fucking. You sit in the corner in your stall, man. You're having a cup of coffee, maybe a chew, and the boys are shooting the shit. You're 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 figuring out all the world's problems and how to fix them, and the boys are all <laughs> laughing and and tearing uh, tearing a strip off each other. Man, it is nothing better than that. <laughs> Not even close. No. Not even close. I miss it more than anything. That's why we do this right here. It's the best yeah, part. man, yeah. and it's it's great that you guys do it because a lot of uh, you guys get to tell the stories of like minor league. Like everybody's hearing, you know, you know the top leagues yeah. and how all that is, but yeah. nobody really understands what it's like to grind in the trenches. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the stories that come out of it are, are just as good, if not better, sometimes. Uh, well, I mean. Thanks for coming on, Miller. This is awesome. Um, it's always great catching up with guys like you, especially. I mean, people don't know, and Olsen, you might not know, but Miller and I actually, you know, when we did play in Salt Lake City together, um, we were almost, you know, every day. We almost hung out pretty much every night, every day outside of the rink. Um, so we had, a, we had a good relationship there. So it's great to see you again, Miller, and uh, catch up. Glad to see uh, your story and, and where you're at now. And um it's good to see you're doing well and and as always you know Olson and I love doing this talking with guys like you we'll uh we'll be doing this for a little longer as well so we'll have you on as a recurring guest you know whenever I miss you, you too much and haven't spoken to you for a while we'll, we'll get you back on and um you know there's plenty more stories to go around but Indian, you know that's just the tip of the iceberg with you so um thanks again for coming on and whatever you decide this year um good luck and We'll speak to you again soon, and thanks, everyone, for uh, listening. Yeah.